welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast, my friends. My name is Philip O'Connor, coming to you again on a late autumn evening here in Stockholm, bringing you the best of what has been going on, not just in Sweden, but a little bit down in Europe as well, as you're going to hear, because we're going to have uh, probably one of the last sporting-ish podcasts. I say sporting-ish because some of it is to do with sport, but an awful lot of it is to do with the powerful women in Stockholm and the Stockholm Gales and the great things that they've been doing on and off the field this year. Um, brilliant to have you all on board again. It's been a, a hell of a year for the podcast. Thanks to everybody who took part in the survey that we did. My good friend Aunt Morrissey down below there in Gothenburg has been a great help to me over the last few weeks and few months. Uh, uh, Anthony Morrissey Sports Consulting, AMSC. Hit them up if you need any sort of marketing advice or advice around fundraising or sponsorship for your sports clubs or anything else like that. Anthony has been working in together with me for the last two or three months and he's been very, very helpful in terms of helping me uh, find the things that are important to you. So we put out a survey there and Anthony has been crunching the numbers and going through stuff and all sorts of stuff and hopefully you'll be able to see and hear uh, the, the benefits of that now over the next few weeks as we put a few of the things into practice that he would have found out and been able to tell me. So I'm very grateful to Anthony for doing that. I'm very grateful to you for listening. I'm very grateful to all those who support the podcast. If you want to do that, uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash our man in Stockholm. Uh, five a month will keep the lights on here and help me uh, keep bringing you these podcasts and the Global Gale podcast and the our man in Stockholm podcast and the Premier Swedes podcast. Uh, you can also get swish a few bob to one two three two four two four one six six. That's one two three two four two four one six six. And if you can't do that, that's grand. I know, as I say, what it was like to be poor in this country. So just please share the podcast, especially if you're if you hear something that you're interested in. And I guarantee that there's an awful lot of women around Sweden who are going to listen to this in the Swedish Irish community who are going to enjoy what they have to hear today, right? So um, I, shall we get into it straight away, right? I do have. Okay, I'll tell you exactly how we're going to put this together here right so this weekend was the last weekend of the Gaelic football calendar in Europe right and the girls of the Stockholm Gales put their team together after not having really all that much competitive football to play uh, in the the season in the Nordic region right but now they have the chance to go down to the Hague so I spoke to Tara O'Neill the legendary Tara O'Neill who's back doing a master's in political science here in Stockholm and jumped straight back into the Stockholm Gales and has been a brilliant just brilliant to have around in general but she's been a brilliant person to have back in the club and um I called her yesterday on Saturday. I'm speaking to you on Sunday, but I called her on the Saturday and just got the run of what was going on down there. And then after that, I spoke to Michelle Cotter. You will have heard Michelle on the podcast before. She was the driving force between behind uh, the, the Stockholm Gales camogie team that started off and had such a brilliant season this year. But we sort of took Tara's look back over the day and then moved into Michelle's look forward to what's going to be happening uh, this autumn, what's going to be happening in Stockholm on the Monday night that this podcast comes out. And then what we hope to, to, to achieve in the GEA in the Nordic region next year as well, right? We also have a business shout out because Stephanie from Less Is More in Gothenburg has been on. So what I will do is I will play the conversation with Tara first. Then I'm going to drop in the business shout out for Stephanie from Less Is More and she'll be able to tell you what she wants to tell you about her new business, which we talked about on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And then we'll just go straight into the conversation with Michelle Cotter. And that way you'll have the chance to hear as little as possible from me and as much as possible from the wonderful women in the Swedish-Irish community. Jesus, lads, you can't say fairer than that. Tara, are you there, Tara? Are you there? Are you there? I am. 
How are you getting on? Can you set the scene for me there, Tara O'Neill, down in The Hague? Yeah, of course. Um, so we're here in The Hague, um, hosted by Den Haag uh, GA Club. Um, second time I've been in this club now, this is in the last six weeks with the Camogie a couple of weeks ago. But um, we're here at the Pan-Europeans. I think this is the last Pan-European Championship uh, weekend for, for the year. Um, and the Stockholm women's uh, football team are down to play junior football um, here in the in the soccer pitches down in the Hague as well. Now, as we are talking at lunchtime on Saturday, your competitive day is over. You've had a few group games this morning. How did they go? Yeah, yeah. So we had uh, we had an early we had a late uh, arrival to the Hague uh, last night. Um, those evening flights uh, a, a bit of a killer with the delays, but. We were off again pretty early this morning and we had our three matches um, for, for our group our group matches. So the first match we played, um, so we played, uh, the, uh, we played Brazil, um, a French team. Um, our, third, our second match we played Leuven and our last match we played Hamburg. So we, uh, we came second in all three, uh, let's say. Okay. But we had a fantastic performances. Like they were all extremely close. Um, so it was, um, you know, there's like, there's a bit of wind, there's a bit of sun, there's all of that obviously into it. But I think everybody just gave so much. And given, you know, given that we had been training a bit over the summer and we kind of picked up momentum at the end of the summer more so, really, really proud of what everybody put out on the field. They put everything out on the field there this morning. Mm. Um, describe for me, on the way to the ground this morning to play, because you've been working really hard with Tony and Joe, your coaches, over the last Absolutely, few weeks. Yeah. Right? Um, what was the plan today? Was the plan today to just show up and to learn, or did you have a plan to go and win these games? And how did the first game go from that perspective? Yeah. So this morning, uh, it was it was that early. It was dark when we were getting here this morning. But, um, like, we... Um, we we wanted to come out and like a lot of us have played at home before, right? But we haven't really like this crowd of girls from Stockholm haven't really played together before competitively. Um, especially we had quite a few new people. We had a couple from last year, a couple from a few years ago. Um, but like we've always had, you know, a fantastic time at training and we always come away thinking we've learned something new. So I think today we just wanted to put that into action. And we wanted to make sure that, you know, everybody got a game and everybody was, you know, felt well supported in the game that they were they were playing today as well. If we win, we win, great. But I think we were talking about more about the scores that we get and how we play together as a team and making sure that we're we're all enjoying ourselves as well. Um look, football's a competitive game and it's the game that most of us have played before, you know, um, in terms of whether you played GA at home or not. Um, or if you've seen Jay or watched Jay before, so it was it was it was lovely to be able to kind of practice the skills that Joe and Tony have been just so excellent at try, helping us perfect out in Scarf Neck over the summer. Hmm. Am I right in saying that you had some reinforcements from Northern Spain? We, we did indeed. We had some. We had four girls from Acarinha, and um, they're phenomenal. They're just getting stuck in. Um, they're really, really, you know, the real terriers, like they're, they're not afraid of the ball. And it's, it's amazing that it's four Spanish girls that came over and they have their own club over there that's thriving. So it was lovely for them to come and travel over. And they had a tough time when traveling as well because they actually had cancelled flights from Spain last night. Jeez. And they actually had to get an overnight train to, to from Maastricht then um, they, over, over uh, last night to get to The Hague as well. So they got off the train at six o'clock and they were playing a match at half eight this morning. So like fair play to them. Um, I think one of the girls also has injured her hand too. So they've really put their bodies on the line for 
for our way team in Stockholm and it's lovely to kind of support that those smaller teams um, and the small contingents that come from bigger clubs as well it's a remarkable dedication altogether and that is the great yeah, thing about, about these European teams and, and tournaments that we, we get together you bring in players they fit in and everybody works together to make the best team possible on the day um, I'm on the record mm-hmm. of saying that you're one of the kindest most loving people I know right but <laughs> when you go across that right line, white line there you talked about the other girls being terriers how was your own temper on the pitch today because I know the closer the game gets the tougher you can be how did you manage yeah. that? I think, like, I I don't like to, I suppose I just want to make sure everybody has their, their good day out, you know, and the whole thing about, you know, whatever sport or whatever Irish sport we play is, you know, making sure everybody feels happy with the team that they're playing, the game that they're playing, and they're, everybody's encouraged. So I think in terms of, especially as the goalkeeper, like, you can see what's happening. You're very much there. You, you're not, I suppose, you're not as out of breath as everybody else is, even though you're, you're taking a fair few whacks coming in. Mm-hmm. But it's it's very much, you're you're very much trying to voice what's happening on the pitch as someone who can see it from possibly the best angle other than the pitches and the coach. Mm-hmm. So it's very, are the coaches on the pitch. So it is, um, you know, it is something that we try and make sure at the beginning of every game, Girls, positive talk, support, making sure that everybody is um, happy with where they are, support each other in terms of coming off rolling subs, um, and just make sure that everybody has a great time. So, like, you know, we're all guilty of a bit of white lineitis. Most of it is targeted at referees, but I think in terms of what has happened, um, what happened today, we, we do need to... We do need to support anybody who gives their time to the amateur sport um, in terms of our referees, our coaches, our players and our umpires, you know. Um, but it's a phenomenal outfit that we have here in Den Haag today. We have two different uh, locations on the go. We have three different leagues for the women, three different leagues for the for the men. And, and it's it, it's just something to behold where you can gather, you know, over 50 teams from, from across Europe together. So I think when you go on the pitch, you have to go on with an attitude that it is an amateur sport, but... You're there to play. You want to play fairly. You want to be. You want the referees to be as fair as they can in whatever capacity they have to 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 help us out there, and that nobody gets injured or nobody gets seriously hurt. You know. So I think that's the attitude that we try to go with, and we try and instill. You know, with within the team, whether you got your you're new to the team or old to the team, that's how kind of Stockholm has been run mm-hmm. since I've been a part of it anyway. Yeah. Um. Let's run down. As you mentioned, you were the observer closest to the mm-hmm. action, being in goal for most yeah. of the day. There, can you run down yeah. some of the girls who travelled and and what they did well today? Because we want to give them their moment in the sun now, Tara. So absolutely, absolutely. Who had you got in front of you there in the defence now to start out? I I can probably guess, but I'm going to get you to tell me. Yes, yeah, I'd say the first name the first name on the tip of your tongue is Sarah Galligan. So Sarah Sarah is our our diving back full back. Um, she's amazing. She will just put her body on the line for for everything and anything. And myself and Sarah again have a system where you know I can go outfield as full back. She can go outfield um, as full back as well and switch into the goal. So it is. It's lovely to have her in there. And she she's she's a powerhouse. She is a powerhouse and she plays up and down the field like she's run the legs of herself today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have um, Anais, uh, our phenomenal cornerback. Like she. Uh, where's the title of most annoying player with a badge of honour? Um, because she she tortures women on the pitch. She tortures them. She makes sure that they're distracted, that they're not getting the ball where they want it to go. And it's amazing. It is brilliant. And for a moment, you know, she's, she's French. She had never played before. She'd lived in Ireland for a bit and she wanted to come and join the sport that she enjoyed watching um, back in Ireland. So it's brilliant to have her there. Um, the other corner then, we started with Lydia. And Lydia's 
one person that you know you could put her all over the pitch and she's going to do a phenomenal job so she started in cornerback she's floating in and out of the halfbacks into the mids and then when she starts in forward she does float into half forward as well so she's everywhere you 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 know if the ball is is with Lydia you don't know what part of the field, field it is because she she could be anywhere on the pitch you know um, and then our midfielders, um, we had Amy Fitzpatrick um, in the middle and we had, I think we had Roland um, Emma Mulholland, um, lovingly known as Christopher. And, um, and uh, we had, um, we had uh, Emma Finney was up in forwards then. Um, we had, uh, let me see, we had our... Um, our Carunia girls were kind of coming in for the midfield. They were serious runners, um, yeah. and they were like, and they were really, really good in defence. Because look, your defensive game is always you're always going to be put on, uh, put, have pressure put on you, you know. And in terms of being able to swap out your defence, it's really, it's really key that you have those defenders to kind of stop the balls from coming in. Mm. Uh, and then we had your own Freya Violence Lance O'Connor. Um, she is our youngest player in the club at the moment, I believe. Um, she's just done phenomenal. She started seven weeks ago and she put a point over the bar, our bar uh, today. She wouldn't stop. She's, again, a very annoying player because she's right on top of you. And she's she's really doing so well. Like, obviously, in your house, there's been Gaelic played all the time, but she'd never actually played it properly before. And it's just so lovely to see her getting stuck in with all the girls asking all the rules, wanting to know what's happening, you know, and, and just really giving it her all. So she's been fantastic up front as well. An amazing day. And then, of course, you have Joe and Tony, who will be no strangers to listen to this podcast uh, on the sideline. Uh, how, yeah, what was there? Yeah. Did they manage to keep cool today now? Because uh, they are two cool customers at the best of times. They are. They are. They do. They do keep, and they, they keep, the, keep, you know, they keep the level cool for us as well. Um, because, you know how it is on the pitch. You get a bit hopped off about decisions, and you get a bit hopped off about, you know, if you know if it's a wrong call or whatever. But they're they're phenomenal, and they're so they're so positive on the sideline. Like Joe is really precise with his advice that he gives us, mm-hmm. and really calm with how he delivers it. And then Tony's just so encouraging. Like he just makes sure that everybody is having a good time. And his advice is really, you know, his advice especially at halftime is so like it, it really pushes you forward especially on a day where you're in a blitz mode you know you're going from game to game to game and it just really helps um just really helps you drive on you know the last bit of your energy out of the fuel tank you know so mm. it's just it's really i'm really grateful to have tony and joe come down to scarf neck every monday and then for the last couple of weeks on wednesdays as well and and train us because they have busy lives as well and it's just great to have them mm. um and they're they listen to us you know they it's, it's hard i suppose in women's sports you know to to maybe get um, the ear of a culture to try and understand, you know, what we need as a team. But there is always a question, girls, what do you need to practice this week? What do you think we need to we need to kind of train for? Or what do you think we need to, to sort out in terms of positions? And who wants to try this and who wants to try that? And it's and it's great, you know, um, we, we're put through our paces of training, but it's, it's, it's phenomenal to have two coaches so dedicated. Mm. And that, you know, they're taking, it, they're taking it seriously in terms of taking the women's sport seriously, but they do not take anyone, you know, they don't take it, you know, as ultra competitive that we're out to win All-Ireland. You know, they really want to make sure that people have a good time and they um, and they enjoy the sport uh, just for the love of the sport itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has been amazing momentum because as you mentioned there it was kind of slow enough to get started this year and the way the Scandinavian or the Nordic tournaments worked out there wasn't a whole lot of opposition that so it's only really in the last couple of months that this has picked up momentum can you carry this momentum 
now into the new year. And what can other people around Sweden, in Javla, in Malmö, in Gothenburg, in Luleå, yeah. what can they do to make sure that we have this thriving scene that you're seeing in Europe, that we can have that in Sweden again, Tara? Yeah, um, like, I think we can carry the momentum. Like, we've seen, like, last week we had between 13 and 15, last couple of weeks we had between 13 and 15 players out, um, out in Skarsnack where, you know, it's dark, it's cold, it's under lights, but we're still kind of really putting our all into it on a Monday evening. Mm. Um, I think for this group of girls, you know, we have a real gel in terms of the women's sports within Stockholm Gales between both the Pomogi and the football. And it's just, it's a testament to, you know, anyone and everyone who's kind of put time into making sure the women's sports are, are front and centre this year. Um, it's, it's I think, you know, chatting with some of the Copenhagen girls here, you know, I have an old friend from a club from when I first lived in Stockholm, Rachel Bagnell, um, from, from Copenhagen. And it was lovely to see her um, and the rest of the girls in Copenhagen. And they, they agree, like Copenhagen have two football teams here, you know, they're the junior and intermediate. So there's not a there's not a lack of players that we can play down in the likes of Copenhagen. I think, you know, we know that Malmo have always had a, a strong team as well and just making sure that we're encouraging Malmo to, to, to challenge to challenge us as well and challenge Copenhagen. And that we have, you know, the likes of the men's teams that are popping up over Sweden to, to get the women involved and make sure that they're part of your club and that they're, you know, that they're, that they, you are funding their games and you're you're supporting their games as well. Because you can see that any of the organisation that the clubs do it is very much supported by the women who get stuck into, you know, to what all of the club teams think, whether it's men's teams or women's teams or, you know, the unisex training or the, the mixed training. And I think it's 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 really important to support our women's games in, in each of these clubs that are popping off throughout Sweden and get our Nordic Championships back because I think, you know, COVID was a bit of a killer for, for the Nordic Championships, but it'd be fantastic if now this kind of resurrection of, of our football in Stockholm, our camogie in Stockholm, and you know some of the camogie down in Copenhagen, and the footballers all over the Nordics that we get them involved and make sure that there's a couple of championships that we can go to before we go and challenge in Europe. Because the Europeans here, they're they're so are the mainland Europeans. They're so happy to see us down. You know, they're so happy to see these teams that are a little bit further from the likes of the German teams and the French teams and the Belgian teams. Mm. But it's 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 lovely to have um, that reception. You know, all years have come such a long way and they're really grateful for us to come down. So at least if we have, you know, our own championship and understand what we, we need to practice and understand that we have teams to challenge it within our own region and come to Europe, you know, ready and willing to, to kind of challenge those bigger teams in, in Central Europe. And um, what's on the agenda for the rest of the day now? There's one more challenge match you have left to play. Is it who you're playing against? Yeah. So we met the lovely girls from Jersey Irish. Um, they came the whole way from Jersey off the coast of France. Um, all but two of the girls are Irish. The rest of them are English. Um, I think there's Welsh and Scottish. There's, it's, it's, I could be mistaken there, but it, it was lovely to see them. They're playing junior as well. You know, they had a long trip to, you know, two planes and a train. And, you know, yeah, you make the kind of, you make your way to um, the likes of the Hague and you want to kind of make sure you get the good out of the day. So I think we're going to um, have a challenge match later today because they have no, they, I think they have one more match, but they said they would love to play with us as well. Mm-hmm. Just chatting to them earlier in the day. So it would be lovely to, especially support those smaller clubs as well, um, like the likes of Jersey. Um, so, yeah, it'll be great to play them and, you know, it'll be a non-serious uh, bit, of, bit of crack and practice of our, of our skills 
um, to, to kind of bond with other teams that are that are here as well. So we're looking forward to that. Now, after that, of course, there is the usual. There's a dinner, there's prize giving, there's a few drinks in the evening. Yeah. Which are you looking forward to more? The evening out there in The Hague or going to Penny's tomorrow? Like, <laughs> Penny's really, Penny's really <laughs> takes the biscuit here because we don't have Penny's or Primark in, um, we don't have it in the Nordics. And like, it, you look, we have H&M and that's fantastic and we have a lot of these other places, but like nothing beats a wee trip to Penny's, you know? So, so that's penciled in now tomorrow before going to yeah. the airport, before going yeah. anywhere else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Phil, can I just say, I've, I've and I, I would, I would uh, really not be good on myself now if I forgot one of the girls because I have Emma Mulholland. So Emma Mulholland has been playing all over the pitch, and maybe that's why I forgot her because she's just everywhere. You she know, is you, just you did you, you mentioned her, but, keep, but mention her again. She was she was in the middle of the yeah, pitch at no, the start. You were saying, yeah, but she, she played was in everywhere. the middle of the pitch, but she was keeping girls quiet on the back line there for for that last match, and and the four, up in the forwards, just terrier, an absolute terrier in the middle of it, right? So. It's just it's great to see girls that maybe had played at home years ago before and they're they're starting to kind of get their love of the game. That's a little bit more of a love because you actually do have the the kind of space to learn a little bit more about how you play and stuff like that. So no, I think you know, for for, for all of the girls, whether you played before or not, everyone laid everything out on the pitch today. You know, it was great. It was brilliant to see. Well, it's brilliant. And it bodes very, very well for the winter and for the season ahead next year. Yeah. Tara, enjoy yourself. Enjoy yeah. pennies. I know there's checked baggage coming home here. So uh, we'll send the yeah. truck to the airport to collect everybody. And we'll talk to you again when you get back again but next week. Great. Thanks very much for talking to me. Thanks a million, Phil. Hey, all. This is Stephanie Colin calling in from Less Is More Used English Bookstore in Gothenburg, Sweden. I wanted to reach out because I'm actually going to be in Stockholm later this week from Thursday through Saturday and would be very happy to pick up any book donations if you guys have them. If you do, please feel free to reach out to me either on social media or through my website, www.lasismore.com. Thank you so much for the support and hope to meet a couple of you soon. Bye. Michelle Cotter, we just heard from the wonderful Tara O'Neill there, live and direct from The Hague, and the girls are on their way back now. You've had quite the season yourself with Stockholm Gales, Camogie. Can you just sum it up for me uh, after all that's after happening during the summer and into the autumn? Um, God, it's a hard one to sum up, to be honest. I think um, if I was to put a word against it, I would say inspiring. Um, I, I've been inspired every single time we've met up for training in the dark or in the snow or in the rain or, you know, whatever um, it might have been here in Stockholm, but then amplified when you see these women who, I suppose it's my fault that they were, you know, that they found themselves in The Hague and that they found themselves in Maastricht and um, to see them kind of line out against, you know, a huge number of talented teams who've been training for not just the full season, who've attended more tournaments, but for years, who've had a camogie and a hurling element to their clubs. Um, and a couple of times, so we had uh, 10 players at both tournaments and the matches we played were either nine aside or seven aside. And everybody gets a chance to play, right? It's not a, a favoritism thing or, you know, who's stronger than who, um, or like, kind of, you know, has been playing for longer. Everybody needs to get on the pitch because it's the only way that you get any better. And so many times I found myself on the sideline watching. And that's kind of where that inspiring kind of feeling comes from, looking at these players without you carrying on the sport and lining out. And so, yeah, I, I really do struggle to put it into words, to be honest. 
that strikes me as a little bit odd, right? Because most of the time you would expect that you being the person who set it up, you being the person who's one of the better players in the team and that and young and fit and all these kinds of things like that. It strikes me as as odd that you sort of you went, okay, no, that's fine. I'm in the rotation as well. So I'll go and I'll take my break along with everybody else. Did you find it difficult to stand there watching them? Did you want to be on the pitch for every minute? Or were you kind of happy to get the chance to observe them? It's very kind of you now to use words like young and fit because I tell you I didn't feel that in the moment. <laughs> um, uh, but I mean it's a it's a physically intensive game, right? Even if it's not that long, we were playing ten minutes a half for the most part. But it's tough to stay running, and it's those kind of bursts of energy. Like I've I've done some bit of slow long distance running, but this type type of sprinting I haven't done in the longest time, not since I was a teenager. Um, so it's really hard to maintain the stamina, and you know the best play that you have is to try and keep moving. So you need to come off. Um, especially if we're playing at an amateur level like we are now and with most of our training is focused on skills rather than kind of running drills and it's more to get nippy with the ball and be able to rise it quickly into your hand and even just aiming whether passing to a player or or trying to get a point or a goal and so you know the running element is kind of lacking for now um, which is maybe a plug for anybody who wants to join us next year to not be afraid <laughs> of um, of coming with us but no I think it's important that you come off and I did find it a little bit hard sometimes um, I kind of went almost in a coach capacity, me with no coaching experience. But we had um, captains for both of the tournaments who were other Kamogi players on the team. And I'd say that's the part I found the hardest was not stepping on their toes with me giving, you know, the motivational speeches before each match and the directions during half times. So I had to kind of bite my tongue a few times. I could have bitten it harder, but um, everybody was very patient with me, including both captains. Um, but no, it's important that you come off the pitch and that you show that it's okay to sub off. It's okay to start off. You don't want anybody to kind of feel like, oh, if I wasn't in the starting seven, you know, if I was one of the three in the sideline that I'm less than. So there were, I think, three matches out of five that I started on the side. And I think that's important. Hmm. Um, was there any moments that you can think of that surprised you? Because as you say, a lot of these women wouldn't have played Kamogi before or like yourself, they wouldn't have played in any serious way since they were teenagers. You've trained with them and that kind of thing. But in a tournament, you learn really quickly. Did anybody do anything that you went, Jesus, I didn't expect her to be able to do that, that really stood out to you? Oh, everybody did, to be honest. I think I think if, trying to pick names is a tough one because I can see different elements of, of everybody's kind of work ethic. I think the, the one biggest thing which I've harped on about and probably won't stop until I'm sitting in a rocking chair is just the, how important that sense of community is. I went over saying, you know, it's vital. It's not just important, it's vital that we stay positive because spirits can be knocked and you can end up feeling low if you're losing a game or you know points and goals are being scored against you and all this kind of crack and actually a couple of times it was other players on the team picking me up and I wasn't able to take my own medicine and it was, wasn't for lack of trying it was just it gets to your head when you feel like you've kind of made a mistake or fumbled or oh, I could have made that goal and you know I just aimed aimed wrong but if I was to pick a couple of players individually I would say Anaïs as a back. So she's from France. She's played rugby um, and had exposure to Gaelic games when in Ireland. And it's just phenomenal for rattling forwards. Um, so forwards on the other team. And she just doesn't let up um, and just can't help but be in the way. And, you know, makes it her point to be in the way. Um, and so she was, I think I mentioned this in the last one, she was given the, the accolade of being the most annoying person to mark and took that as a, as a real positive. And then Sarah Gallagher, 
Mulligan very much put her body on the line to block anything coming in towards Tara and goal and, you know, has bruises to show for it that I hope don't last a lifetime, but they're lasting about a month so far. Um, Tara blocked some absolutely phenomenal shots coming in as well. Um, and then I'm thinking of all of the other players as well, like Julie, who's taken to it like a fish to water, and then Maeve and Sophie, whose first tournament it was, and kept running after every single ball. And that was the thing, is they kept the momentum high. They never you know, looked dejected when they were out on the pitch. Um, and I mean, Emma Finney is just phenomenal as a player. So um, I could name everybody, Lydia, just everyone, just put it all out there. And, and all, I suppose, played to their natural skill sets as well as trying to apply the things that they've been learning that have been drilled into them in these kind of, you know, fun hour and a half training sessions in Haga Park. Mm. Um, you've been very much uh, created a parallel universe, if you like. So obviously when you came over first, uh, would have been last year, you played only a, a few days after arriving over, you were playing football with us in, in Helsinki that time, right? This yeah. year you got stuck into the Camogie and you kind of built your empire there a little bit separately. Uh, how has that worked out for you? Have you gotten the support that you needed in terms of just both the moral support and everything else that you needed from the club? Or has, has that community piece that you mentioned among the girls yourselves made you sort of, you know, self-sufficient in that way? Oh, that's a tricky one to answer because I suppose anytime you're doing something new there's always a little bit of I suppose apprehension from people who have been here before that existed and I mean that can be applied to almost any aspect of life even in a work capacity you know coming in with fresh eyes and a fresh perspective and then wanting to do something different it can almost be it can catch you off guard to say oh but we've always done it this way mm -hmm. so it can be more a, a mentality shift rather than anybody opposing it it can just be you know the new can be scary right um i think there's been plenty of support i also think that the community that we've built almost everybody not everybody but almost everybody has been here less than two years and it's fantastic to see these new players have a safe space to arrive into within the gales club in general regardless of which sport and then for people that are here longer to know that they're still you know welcome and that we want them to join and that they have connections in the city that we don't have um so yeah, i wouldn't say there's been opposition i think just uh eyebrows raised but uh eyebrows raised but a bit of a smile along the way as well so yeah it's been a good crack. Traditionally, and this is the important thing as well, because like you say, you're coming in with new eyes. We've sort of looked at, and when I say we, I'm talking about my generation of the people who set up the club and we played football in specific structures with specific rivalries in such a way for so long. Hurling was difficult because it was the Viking Gales and Camogie didn't really exist at all unless individuals went down to the tournaments like the ones that you played at, right? When you look into your crystal ball now, how can hurling and Camogie develop? Would you see, do you want a future where there's a Nordic championship and we go to Europe at the end of it? Do you not care about playing against teams from Norway and Finland? You know, How would you like to say, what's the next step really in the structures that you'd like to see? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, a couple of things that I think would be fantastic. One is to have a Swedish hurling and Swedish camogie team compete in the World Games in 2025 as a Team Sweden, I think would be phenomenal. That's definitely within our wheelhouse to do. And we're on track time-wise to accomplish something like that. Um, I'd love to see us competing as part of the broader European tournaments that happen every year. And to do that, we need money. And to get money, we need to fundraise. So the onus is on us to engage with businesses and organizations that are willing to sponsor us. And we'll pop their logo here, there and everywhere in return for a few bob. Um, and, you know, like I 
said very much on us to fundraise doing things in the city as well whether it's pub quizzes or as Emma Mulholland wants to get a car wash off the ground and I'm sure she'd have many a person even without a vehicle turn up to pay money to see it um so yeah that's one thing is tournaments in Europe and and raising funds to allow ourselves to get there and then whether it's a formal kind of a league across the Nordics or whether it's just informal friendlies that take place every season. I think, uh, you know, having opposition is a natural way of growing your own home teams as well as if you have something to work towards and look forward to and making friends with the teams that exist in Finland that might exist in Norway if given a bit of encouragement with the Viking Gales as well. Um, so that's on on the radar for the start of next year is to potentially get that very same party boat over to Helsinki and organize a friendly with them and see where things go. Because I've no doubt that clubs around the Nordics have plans and have ideas and have goals and milestones they'd like to hit as well. And so we don't always have to be the, the front runners of it just to participate. And so that's important that we're humble enough to say, yeah. We might be the first Komogi team in the Nordics. And yeah, we might arguably be one of the biggest in, in Europe in terms of panel. But that's happened from community that we've built here. And we need to make sure that, you know, we're being humble when reaching out to communities and clubs beyond Sweden and beyond the Nordics. Mm. You mentioned going to Helsinki there, of course. You know, you, you were uh, love of Finland as well known to previous uh, from previous episodes of this podcast. There's now three hurling teams in Finland, right? Whereas a couple of years ago, there was none. You know, have you learned anything from them or have they learned things from you? Because a couple of them have come up uh, probably at the start of this season. I have to say, I love the name of uh, the Turku team, the Turku Delights. I think it's just fantastic. Um, uh, you know, I haven't been in as much communication with them as I'd like to be, and, and I will be in, in better communication going forward. But my focus has just been on trying to get us to the tournaments and trying to make sure that we've been prepared for all of the activities we've had in September and October. But one thing I have learned is from their social media, they train together. So um, not just men's and women's um, teams, but also sports. And I participated in two of their training sessions when they allowed me in um, back about a year or two ago, where they played football for the first half of the session, men and women together, no differentiation. And then they played hurling and camogie for the second half. And it was just a fantastic buzz and they have great indoor facilities. Um, and it just shows what's possible when you really integrate. And yeah, I think following on on their social media and doing funny, stupid, ridiculous things and how much of a buzz that can create, thinking outside the box. I mean, I don't know if you saw the uh, match they had. It was Tampere versus Helsinki. And the prize was the honorary pizza shovel. And I think it was the Father Pizza McShovel Memorial trophy or whatever they had called it it was just funny and it was engaging and you want to be involved and you want to support them because it's a little bit outside the box but I mean it kind of needs to be in order to build a bit of a buzz in a place that there never has been one before and hmm. um, when you look at the people who play in those two sessions that you took part in right would there be mostly Irish people taking part would there have been I know there's a few Finns who are very dedicated to Gaelic football a few of them have marked me over the years and have been very good players and that you know and um, would you have seen Finns taking up hurling as well because of course like the Swedes they're big into their ice hockey they're no stranger to hitting things with a shtick Mm. Um, I think it was about half and half, maybe slightly more Finns than Irish people at the training courses that I went to. Um, but those that did play were extremely proficient at the sport. And maybe that does come from hockey or maybe it comes again from them doing the same thing as we're doing, which is building community. Mm. 
It's an interesting one because, you know, it's, it's almost like, especially with Hurling and Camogie, because they're, they're games that do require a certain element of skill to play. But we have this idea that, you know, we're just the chosen ones. As Irish people, we're <laughs> obviously going to be so much better at that, regardless of the fact that, you know, that's the 10,000 hours or whatever that we've done before it, you know. When you zoom out, Michelle, there's one question I want to ask you. Has it, you know... You're somebody that I would consider, the first time I saw you playing football, I went, okay, this girl is a winner. She's competitive. You are in there looking for every ball. And yet you haven't had that many chances to win this season. Does that matter to you? Will you, if I talk to you this time next year and things haven't improved in terms of results, would that annoy you? Or do you simply not care because of the fact that all progress is good progress? I would counter that by saying we've had nothing but wins this season. There you go. I, I would say we've had wins left, right and centre every couple of weeks, if not every couple of months. A, a big win was when we had um, back in March in the lovely Maeve Murray's party room in her apartment building. We had a, a cheesy PowerPoint presentation to try and kick off the season and decide, are we actually going to do this? And I think there were nine or ten of us there. Um, we had our next win when you and a number of others in the Irish community uh, very, you know, graciously donated sticks and hurls and tennis balls and slitters to get us going because we had only three and we had five women. <laughs> um, and I think back to just having, you know, three hurlies and five people and taking turns in the snow. Um, another big win was when uh, we actually did get hurlies and helmets and slitters from um, Gaelic Games Europe. Um, and then when we took our team photos out in Scarpnack on the day that TG Cahar came down to film us, we, we've had huge wins and huge milestones. And if, you know, if we had set out with the explicit goal to win a match within our first season, we would have, you know, invariably lost because we would have been playing against experienced teams. Now, next season, we're going for a win. And I'll get, you know, and, and I'm hoping that that does become the case. I'm feeling very optimistic about it as well. But I think this season, as our very first full season, has been a roaring success. And so it's hard as you get better to line out and think, God, we're not a million miles away from actually winning this now. And that's the bittersweet part where you go, oh, we're not quite there, but we're so close, I can taste it. Um, and the first match in Maastricht, we lost by one goal. It was three goals to two. Um, and at, at the, the end of the first half, we were we were two goals and they were one goal. And I thought, oh my God, we're going to win it. <laughs> we're going to win it. I thought I was going to faint. And of course, you know, they eventually took it by one goal. Um, but that's kind of that, God, we're getting close feeling. But as a season, I think, you know, we're all leaving winners, to be honest. Cheesy as it sounds. Oh, it's lovely. Um, and, and I mean, that's exactly the thing, because at the end of the day, it's not like, you know, the winning or losing, as, as Bill Shankly once said, it's, you know, there's other things that are so much more important than that, you know. Um, when you say that, you know, you're looking forward to winning a game next year, that's part of the agenda. What do you base that on? Is it the fact that the team has developed so much in such a short space of time and learned so much from the two tournaments that you were able to go to? Yeah, big time. Uh, on the one hand, it's just consistently showing up to training. And one of the things that I've tried to employ all year is that it's going ahead like one way or another, I'll be standing out on Haga Park. Don't leave me there with a bunch of sticks and a bunch of balls on my own. Somebody come along and play with me, even if it's a puck around. And I suppose that mentality of it's always going ahead. We're always going to be there has meant that we've had people consistently showing up because they know it's on. They know it's on regardless of the weather. And we've gotten very lucky, you know, even though it wasn't the best Swedish summer in the world, we got very lucky with our Tuesday evenings. Um, so that's one thing. And then, yes, I think tournament play really does add a different element when you play against people who aren't going to go easy on you, who have been training for a long time, who do want to win. Uh, and it's a different dynamic when you're tackling against players you don't know, because there's that kind of, you know, innate mentality to go a bit easy when it's your friend. 
um, and you don't want to take it too seriously and you, got, of course, don't want to injure somebody on your own team, you care less when you don't know them and they're, you know, not being so careful with you either. So I think, yeah, the consistency of training and then the real life experience um, lining out and playing a couple of matches back to back has definitely helped. Um, and I saw it at our most recent training, which we had in Vassa Park under floodlights, which were only on one side, which was terrible because as soon as you stand in the wrong part, you're your own shadow and you can't see the ball anymore. Um, so, so it was a pretty challenging day. We had to do some ground play because, sure, of course, Mayfane didn't bring the helmets either. Um, and it looked like the ball had a magnet in it attached to the hand of the player that it was being passed to because the likes of Maeve and Julie and Emma Finney and Emma Mulholland, every single ball was just landing snug into their hand and that's because we've been doing it for six seven eight months straight of just passing the ball and catching it um so yeah i think the skills have come along leaps and bounds how has this changed your experience of living in stockholm and living in sweden because let's face it we were all fairly afraid there that we were going to lose you to the Finns at one part <laughs> um it's it's a tricky one to answer exclusive to sweden it's been one of the best things i've ever had happen in sweden but I would equally say it's been one of the best things that I've ever been involved in in my life. Um, outside of just, you know, part of my experience with moving here, I don't think I've ever had uh, this type of friendship with this many people in tandem where, you know, they're also giving me the same support on and off the pitch that I'm trying to encourage and give them in return. Um yeah, it's been life changing, to be honest. And whether I'm only a part of it for another year or two or whether I'm part of it for another decade or two, um, I think this experience is really it's had more more deep of an impact than I could put into words on a short podcast. I think we'll have to have that. That'll be a longer podcast that we'll have at some point, you and me, because it's also something that has profoundly affected me because I've had you on more often than Sophie Murphy at this stage. And Jesus, that's saying something like, you know, but it has had a profound effect on the girls that you've been working with as well. Right. There's one last event coming up this season and it's it's going to happen the day this podcast comes out. So this will be out at seven o'clock in the morning. And uh, I think 12 hours later is the last sort of get together for the season. Is that right? Yes, it's the last formal get together and there is one informal thing that we're doing. So um, in Skarpnack, uh, where the women's football, men's football have often trained, we're going to do uh, a bit of an exhibition match, a friendly mixed game uh, with as many men and women as we can get to come down after work on a Monday um, and a few bruised bodies of the football players who will be coming back from The Hague tonight, uh, tonight being Sunday. Um, and I'm going to bring down all the kits. So usually what I do is I ask either within the Camogie group chat or the Gale social group chat for everyone to react with the most random emoji they can find in their keyboard to let me know that they're coming so I know roughly how many hurlies to bring and I always bring along a few extra but this time I won't because I'll bring every ounce of kit I've got and every hurley and ball and slitter and whatever um, and I, I suppose I don't really mind making the announcement here on the day off but it's going to be the day that we formally announce uh, Stockholm Gales hurling team so we'll have a men's team that will be joining us for next season uh so hopefully i will as, as far as i'm aware it's going to be one of sweden's first hurling teams i don't know if yavla would be comfortable with me saying that maybe stockholm's first hurling team is more appropriate um but that's the big announcement happening on monday which i'm really excited about and i think no i know we've had men coming down to support us we've had men on the sidelines you know shouting for us i see it on instagram you know and something that people that have been following our journey don't see 
are the private messages that come into the Instagram account of sheer support, um, both from Sweden and from back home. And it's such a heartwarming thing when someone living in Ireland who's in their 50s or 60s sends you a message just to say how proud they are. And it's a total stranger. Um, and that's such a wonderful thing. So we've had men join us for three or four trainings here in Stockholm. We've had the likes of um, Michael Crawley, Owen Blackwell. We've had um, Aaron and Michael Mitchell and Stephen Cooney and Eric and a bunch of others. And so it's high time that they are able to compete and give the Viking Gales or the Helsinki Harps a friendly game and potentially even join us in a tournament in Europe as well. Um, so that's the big announcement Monday. And then the only other thing on the Kamogi calendar, the Kamogi agenda, is we're going to do a season wrap party on October 31st and do a bit of a, a plagiarized Spotify, you know, year in numbers and show, you know, a couple of different things, like how many trainings we've actually hosted, how many kilometers we've run uh, in the park runs on Saturday that we've been going to and how many players we've had joined from five in March to however many in October. So, and actually look back and go, take a second, see how far we've come and, you know, think of the art of the possible, what's going to come next season. Will you go into hibernation now for a few months over Christmas or is the intention to keep going a little bit if you can? Oh, sure. I couldn't stop now. It's too exciting of a time to, you know, pull, pull my foot off of the accelerator. Um, I have a bunch of plans and a bunch of things I'd like to help the Gales and the club accomplish. Um, and, and I'm trying to take a tentative approach because I don't want to be too much of a bulldozer, more than I already am, let it be said. Um, but I'm actually going to my cousin's wedding in Mexico at the end of November. So everybody will have a bit of reprieve from me, at least in person. I'm probably still going to be active enough on the group chats and the Instagram. Um, and then from January 3rd, we'll be hitting the ground running with a bunch of plans for the 2024 calendar year. It's been a brilliant season. It's been brilliant to follow your progress. And I can't wait to see what you're all going to do next year. Not just the Camogues, but the new Hurling team as well. Michelle, thanks for everything that you're doing. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And the best, of, the very best of luck with all the endeavours for the future. And of course, we'll bring it all to you here on the Irish and Sweden podcast. But for now, Michelle, thanks so much for talking to me. Thanks so much, Phil. Talk to you again soon. There you go now, lads. So, Jesus, I tell you, if that wasn't a jam-packed podcast again, I don't know what you'd be looking for at all. Uh, great to hear from Stephanie and to hear that Les is more is doing so well down there in Gothenburg. As she said, she's coming to Stockholm and uh, she will be collecting used books for resale in Les is more down there. And I'm sure there's loads of people who can uh, get a few books online or you might have a few books at home that you're finished with and that kind of thing. And Stephanie will be delighted to take them off your hands. I want to give another shout out to Carl Stein. Carl is very much like the, uh, the Scarlet Pimpernel, right? It's very hard to get, uh, get a hold of him at times. But he did drop in a business shout out there a couple of weeks ago about tushed beverages these are the additive free soft drinks that he makes uh, out there uh, towards uh, Gustav's Barry out in that direction fantastic stuff altogether nothing un unnatural in them right no e numbers no preservatives no messing around so get your orders in now tushed beverages is what you want to be googling you'll find them in all sorts of fine food stores you'll find them in some of the the restaurants and some of the bars around town as well but tushed beverages the, the t the o with the two dots over it lads rst and carl will fix you up and he very kindly sent in a case of them and i think the family have drank half of them already so uh, i might have to be putting in another order myself there before christmas they 
really are magical stuff altogether. Uh, that is all that we have time for this week. There's a lot going on now, and uh, in devoting pretty much most of this episode to, to women's sport and to how the girls, the girls are doing, I think there's a lot of inspiration to be taken from that. And myself and Michelle Cotter actually had a long chat about uh, next season, and this was sort of you know when we'd finished talking about what had happened this season and a few things we got to. There's so much that we can be done that can be done you know and we need to involve more uh more swedish people in things and we need to involve the other countries and the clubs that maybe have struggled a little bit maybe we haven't been as good as we could have been to gothenburg where we like you know maybe we have to look at you know what we can do to help other clubs and to make it easier for them to get people in and what have you and just to keep the level of competition going because the winning and losing is brilliant and it's great crack but the more people we have involved uh, the better it's going to be for absolutely everybody so there will be more of that no doubt and i'm hoping to, to catch up with the rest of the clubs in the region as well to find out where they are on the subject in the very near future if you do have anything lads uh, stephanie's making great use of the business shout outs and i strongly suggest if you're in painting and decorating if you're a carpenter if you're a taxi driver if you're in these english schools and you think that it might benefit you whatever you've got send your business shout outs to 070 what now hold on let's get this right 070 721 7715 that's 070 721 7715 drop them to me on whatsapp or send me them uh, on social media and I will include them in the show in the near future. Please do make sure that you're following at Philip Ablana on Instagram, that you're following at Philip O'Connor on Twitter and the Irish and Sweden Facebook page on, <laughs> strange to say, Facebook because uh, the more we can keep uh, these things circulating, the more we can share the podcast, the more people are going to listen to it and the more crack we can have with it. If you have any stories, do get in touch but I shall leave you with all of that for this week. I'm just so delighted with what these girls are doing. Myself and Colin Courtney, happy birthday Colin, 40 years old last week, had a bit of a birthday party there but when we set up this club this is all that we dreamed of it being both for the boys and the girls and it's great to see, it's great to see in the Stockholm girls that we have the soccer we have camogie we're going to have hurling as Michelle said and we're going to have the Gaelic football again next year uh, so it really is great to see a, a new and a younger generation of people who are full of vim and energy who are moving these things on for us but look at uh, I shall talk to you again soon have a brilliant week take care of yourselves and take care of one another good luck <laughs>